The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at karm.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. Listen to Matt Slick Live. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877 877- Two zero seven two two seven six. I want to hear from you. Hope you're having a good day. Hope you had a good weekend. I uh, I spent a good part portion of it. I kind of split it up between two days, Saturday and Sunday. Like lazed around half of each day, and uh, got into a discussion last night with some Eastern Orthodox individuals and some others who were asking questions about Christian theology. And I was working through uh, the particulars of what biblical doctrine of salvation is. And it was interesting, I thought. Anyway, five open lines if you want to give me a call. 877-207-2276. And I just want to let you know that um, we are moving away from PayPal. And any day now, because well, any day now we're going to be a new system and we're going to replace what we have with a new thing and if you're already contributing via paypal it'll it'll stand it'll stay but what we're going to gradually do is move people away from it because we don't trust paypal anymore we don't trust the uh, the leftists in the social media area where they you know try and tell you what you can and can't think and say and do and all that kind of stuff it, and so uh, PayPal has stated a couple of weeks ago that if you were to uh, say anything that was disinformation, they could fine you up to $2,500. And um, uh, people just are jumping ship uh, left and right, and we're going to do the same thing. So that's that, And uh, but we do need your support. So if you want to support us, there's a couple of options. Uh, we hope that you might want to consider one of them, and that's to go to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash uh, karm org so if you do that uh, patreon you can you can help us out we're going to be modifying that quite a bit and adding stuff in one of the things we want to do is have seminars and um with some pretty top-notch individuals who want to be able to um uh, you know just kind of have some teaching things going i think that it's really necessary because the Christian church, the Christian people, they want to know truth. And uh, not that we have all the truth, of course, but we want to um, to encourage people to study and to be informed. And that's one of the things we want to do as uh, as Christians here at the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry, CARM.org. And we do it on the radio as well. Now, um, I think uh, you know, I might want to tell you that uh, you know the economy is hitting everybody, and uh, I, I get it. And so we are uh, just going to be asking for five dollars a month from people. I don't think that's too much to ask, and uh, we are hoping that you'll want to support us in order to keep us on the air. And uh, if you know, if the Lord doesn't want it to continue on the air, this show, that's fine. Uh, I've been doing radio now for almost eighteen years, five days a week. So that's a long time, um, you know. I've been coming on and teaching and answering questions and enjoying it. 
but you know everything has its season so if God has uh, so declared that um, oh excuse me whoa boy sorry about that if he so decreed and declared that um, uh, there we go I'm looking at something that the show end then fine you know not a big deal but uh, we got to let you guys know we, we need your support so please consider supporting us one of the things you can do is go to the karm.org website c-a-r-m.org the bottom of any page you will find the the link uh, you know, for the P.O. box that's one option and of course uh, if you want to hold off a day or two or three we're going to get a new system going in for a donation so we can avoid PayPal all right, having said all of that, five open lines, nobody's waiting right now. So when that happens, what I sometimes do is pick a topic to talk about. And what we're going to do for our next seminar, which we want to do pretty quickly here within uh, within three weeks, we want to do it before November 8th. We want to have some experts on to talk, and we're going to open up to everybody, to talk about uh, the Christian's responsibility in government and uh, the issue of voting and all of that. I spent 45 minutes last week on one of the shows, I forgot which day, going through uh, the issues of the the atrocities and the, the bad stuff of the Democratic Party along with areas of government, what they are, and the biblical model of government. And in that latter issue, I can say that in summation, the biblical form of government deals with um, uh, people being able to own property, private property, being able to do with it as they desire, as well as having a representative form of government uh, with self-governance and, uh, like I said, property rights and liberty to act freely according to their conscience. And the Bible teaches capitalist principles, uh, and it does so in Matthew 21 and 25. And where the law requires a fair trial with witnesses, we want to have witnesses of our peers. These are all in the Bible. And so what we're going to be just doing is getting some gentlemen on and or ladies in order to have uh, a discussion on what the Christian's obligation is in the political realm. A lot of people say you should not talk about politics and religion in polite company. I do both. And I have no problem discussing these issues. It's not like an, you know, an attitude of knock this chip off my shoulder. It's an attitude of, well, what does the Bible say? And are we as Christians responsible for how we vote and what we pay attention to in the political realm? And the answer is yes. So anyway, that kind of stuff is what we're talking about doing because we want to encourage everybody to vote and I want to encourage Christians to think about who you vote for a Christian uh, who believes in scripture in my opinion cannot adhere to the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party is the party that's pro-homosexual pro-abortion pro-Jim Crow laws it was pro-slavery it was pro-KKK and it Uh, is pro-socialism this is uh, present as well as the historical position of the of the uh, Democratic Party in particular the present issues the promotion of killing the unborn and of LGBTQ alphabet stuff Uh, the alphabet soup there is uh, oppressive 
And I, in my opinion, I'm just going to say, if you're a Democrat and you claim to be a Christian, there's an inconsistency there. You should rethink one or the other. Uh, you sh- I don't believe you can be both at the same time, knowledgeably. All right, knowledgeably. That's not to say you know you don't know everything about the party or Christianity or whatever, but that's another thing. So. Um, <clears throat> In capitalism, private property, property rights, freedom to benefit from what a, produce, a person produces, free competition, voluntary work, decentralized markets, that's the issue of capitalism. And uh, Venezuela, uh, just so you know, uh, is going down the toilet, and it was the greatest uh, economy in the South American continent up to about 10 or 15 years ago uh, when socialism took over and then it tanked. All right, so there you go. I can talk about that, but... What I'd rather you do is give me a call, 877-207-2276. And um, so as I talk about that kind of stuff, there's other things to talk about as well. And I'll be in a debate on this Friday night, is the Trinity necessary for a reality? So I've been prepping up on that, learning a few things, and that'll be hopefully interesting. And on Thursday, I'll be having a discussion with some guys on, uh, I'll be a guest on their platform, uh, the, dealing with the issue of the charismatic gifts. Now, there are different views on the charismatic gifts, and of course, I hold to the continuation of all of the charismatic gifts, but not in the apostolic sense where someone has apostolic authority to be able to heal. I don't believe in that. But we're going to be having a discussion on Thursday night, and I'll put up the information for that if you are interested all right and also uh let's see so thursday i won't be teaching bible study just letting you know because uh that's when i have to do the uh, charismatic gift issue discussion wednesday i do plan to be on clubhouse teaching and answering questions and on friday of course i got the debate and we'll put all that on the calendar we haven't updated the calendar in a while but i need to do that all right, folks, give me a call, 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. Please uh, give me a call. All right, now, something else uh, that uh, there's there are a lot of topics worth discussing. One of them is Roman Catholicism and how bad it ultimately really is and how it's not Christian, along with the Eastern Orthodox. And what I've noticed lately about the Eastern Orthodox people is they're becoming more aggressive and more evangelical. Yesterday I had a discussion online with a gentleman, and it's a polite discussion, who is moving towards the Eastern Orthodox uh, religion and wants to be baptized. Our discussion was really telling because... He kept appealing to church fathers and that they have the right to interpret Scripture. And he would not appeal, I think except for once, uh, to Scripture. And it was rather obvious to me that he was being deceived because the Scripture was not his authority, but the church fathers were and what the Eastern Orthodox Church said was. Now let me tell you, anybody who would look to the church fathers as the uh, the status of what should and shouldn't be biblically uh, is taking their eyes off of Christ, off of God, and they are putting them uh, on something other than him. And they should stop that. They should not do that. And when they do it, they end up in error. 
and it's unfortunate. But I was had this really interesting conversation with him and talking to him about that, and it was just, um, it was sad, because all he kept doing was appealing to, well, how do you know, you know the church fathers, you know, this and that, how do you know, what you say, Matt, is true, how do you know uh, that uh, they didn't get it right, how do you know, and it was all about church fathers, and then sacred tradition, it was about sacred tradition, what the tradition is, and the tradition is in their church. I get tired of that kind of stuff because it takes their eyes off of Jesus. All right, let's get on the phones with Ryan from Ohio. Hey, Ryan, welcome. You are on the air. How are you, man? Oh, I'm doing fine, just hanging in there. What do you got, man? What's up? So my question doesn't really pertain to what your um, topic right. is tonight about government and whatnot, but um, <clears throat> it was pertaining to a discussion my wife and I were having and it was um, it was about how how Christ could uh, heal the par or I'm sorry forgive the paralytic sins when he hadn't yet died or atoned for the sins um, for the paralytic I'm I'm just looking for a little more insight um, <clears throat> okay, sure. I know he died for all uh, not oh. all but I mean all that not not, yeah, not all but <clears throat> you um, I'm sorry I misspoke um, he. <clears throat> For all that were forgiven, um, past, present, and future, um, like he could do that because he's God. But I'm just, right. I'm just curious. You get a little insight. Sure. Well, we'll bring back to the break. Let's tackle it, and we'll talk about how uh, people could be forgiven before the atonement occurs. All right. Hey, folks, we have four open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877-2-0-7-2-2-7-6. We'll be right back. Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. If you got a question about God, the Trinity, Bible, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science, Unity, Baha'i, Islam, Roman, let's see, uh, evolution, UFOs, the occult. My daughter and I were talking about that occult stuff that today we can talk about that too let's get back on the air with ryan from ohio ryan okay so you still there yes sir all right so from the foundation of the world uh god ordained through the eternal covenant that jesus or the pre-incarnate christ would be the one who would come to redeem the world or redeem the, his people so this was proclaimed and guaranteed in that intertrinitarian communion. Now, the Father gave to the Son the elect, and this is out of Ephesians 1.4. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. So the Father chose people to give to the Son, but they were chosen in the Son. But the Son, Jesus, could not well, let's say the Son was guaranteed by his commitment, the pre-incarnate Christ, to be the atoning sacrifice by which the elect, the chosen ones from the Father, would be redeemed. This is set in stone from forever ago in the heart and mind of God. It cannot not happen. 
So, the elect are the ones who would be justified by faith, justified before God uh, through the work of Christ. And our faith that God grants to us, Philippians 1.29, the faith that's in Christ that he works in us, John 6.29. So that faith is in God. Now, we know from Genesis 15.6, which Paul references in Romans 4.3, that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him or reckoned to him as righteousness. Righteousness deals with the law, but Abraham, like everybody else, was a sinner because all people died in Adam, Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. So what we have here is the inter-Trinitarian communion where the atonement would occur at a certain time in history. The elect are before the atonement, at the time of the atonement, and after the atonement. And all of the elect are given by the Father to the Son, and the Son came to redeem them. This is why Jesus says in John six thirty seven, All that the Father gives me will come to me. So they're the given ones. The all is that that group of the all is the ones given by the Father. So with all that having been said, there's also something called the now and the not yet. The now and the not yet is a theological perspective that designates God's redemptive work, among other things, in a time reference that is now but not yet. So when Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago, for him it was the now. But we, in our sins, were not yet. Yet our not yet sins were counted to Jesus and given to him. The only way this could happen that I'm aware of is that God, who has decreed all things, would then impute all of mankind's sins, all of the elect's sins, to Christ on the cross. Therefore, before or and after the crucifixion, anyone who would be putting their trust in God before, it's all the information they had, and we're, we're looking to him and trusting in him, would there be justified. But they were also looking forward to the cross. And then after the crucifixion, we look back to the cross and were justified by what Christ did. So the people before were justified by what they believed God would do and could do for them, where we look back and look at the reality of what God did for us on the person of the cross. So therefore, both could be saved and justified by faith, even though the crucifixion hadn't yet happened. Okay? I appreciate it. That That is a very, very good explanation. Thank you. Well, good. So which which position did you and your wife come up with, or how'd that go? Well, I think it came up to, um, well, for us, it was God is in the forgiving business, um, and he can choose when... He wants to forgive, whether it be with Abraham counting it as righteousness or, um, you know, even two minutes, hypothetically, if he were to be crucified. Um, he, he has the, the right to do it whenever he wants. Um, and that, I mean, that's kind of where we let it go, but I was like, we need to look at some more resources here and kind of get a, <clears throat> a little bit better answer. Well, let me add a little bit of salt and pepper on this, okay? If you were to go to Colossians 2, 13 and 14, there's very significant information there. It says, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Notice what he says, having forgiven 
us all our transgressions. That's sin. Transgression is sin. Having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees, which was hostile to us, he took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So the theological point I want to make here is that what Jesus did on the cross was cancel our sin debt. It's not canceled when you believe. It's not canceled when you get baptized. It's canceled by Jesus at the cross because that's what it says. He canceled out the certificate of debt, the chirographon, the handwritten IOU of legal indebtedness. When we sin, we break the law of God. We have a debt incurred, as Jesus says in Matthew 6.12 and Luke 11.4, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He says, forgive us our, our uh, debts and forgive us our sins. So he equates sin with legal debt. So theologically, Jesus canceled the sin debt at the cross. But justification occurs when we believe. Justification is the imputation of righteousness to us. It's a legal thing to impute. That's why Romans 4, 1 through 5, talks about justification. And it says to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So the crediting of righteousness is justification. It is not the removal of your sin when you believe. Now this is a, another example of the now and the not yet, because Jesus canceled the sin debt at the cross. Well, for Abraham, it was his now, but not yet for the cross and the atoning work. And for Jesus, our uh, not yet was his now. He was on the cross bearing our sins, who we're not even yet existing. So the now and the not yet works before and after the cross, and it deals with the issue of God's timelessness and how he works and how he decrees and how he doesn't make mistakes and how he doesn't waste his blood and how his atonement is decreed from the foundation of the world in the intertrinitarian covenantal communion. And the elect given by the Son, by the Father to the Son, are redeemed, and he, Jesus, canceled out their sin debt, and all they have to do is believe, is trust in him, whether before or after the atonement, and they are therefore justified. Okay? Uh, that, I appreciate that. That's very, very good. Thank you very much. Well, you're welcome very much. Hope that was helpful. All right. It was. It was. Um, you you have a good evening, and I appreciate it. All right, Brian. God bless, Ryan. All right. You too. Well, we have five open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. For those of you who are new to what I just said, I'm going to go over this again because it's worth repeating. We've got nobody waiting right now. And, oh, there's a break right there. So at the bottom of the hour, why don't you give me a call, 877 207 2276. We'll be right back and I'll talk more about the nature and extent of the atonement as a theological perspective laid out in Scripture. I'll quote it to you. All right, be right back after these messages. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. You know, I was going to talk about the nature and extent of the atonement. We've got some callers coming in. I'm going to get to them first. Let's get to John from Ohio. John, welcome. You're on the air. Hello, Matt. Uh, 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 the uh, Lord's Prayer lead us in, not into temptation. Uh, <laughs> why, would, why would the Lord lead us into temptation? I don't understand that. I, 
I pray that every morning, but lead us not into temptation. God don't lead us into temptation. And then one of the other questions is... Well, uh, let me do, do, let's, do, let's do one at a time. Let's do one at a time, okay? Let's okay. get that one first. All right. So not to... In other words, guide us away from that which is tempting is what it's asking. It's just a phrase. It's just a way of talking. Now, that's, there's two perspectives that you can look at uh, that can mean. God does allow us to be tempted because nothing occurs to us without his permission. So he can allow us to be tempted in order to, to test us and to purify us. And so if it's in the will of God for that to occur, then praise God. It, but on the other hand, what we can do is say, pray, you know, Lord, lead me not into it. It's just a, a poetic way of saying, uh, deliver me from uh, this the fowler's snare, uh, as Proverbs talks about, as being trapped. And so just uh, deliver us from that, okay? We don't want to have that. He says, and give us this day our daily bread. A lot of this is just kind of a poetic way of speaking. But uh, it's just basically saying, God, just don't let us be tempted. Okay. Okay, that, that helps out a lot. And then, uh, what is it that, like, like would it be a regular funeral or burn your body? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it a sin to burn the body or what? No, it's not. You can cremate, uh, that's fine. Uh, you know, there are people who have died in house fires, boat fires, forest fires, and their bodies are essentially cremated. Uh, if if being cremated was a sin, then they would be sinful for dying in a fire. It doesn't make any sense. Furthermore, uh, people who have died in fires, like um, uh, the martyrs, the Protestant martyrs, for example, uh, where the Catholics would burn them at the stake, and they would uh, be essentially be cremated, and the, their bodies would become fuel for the fire. Uh, they will have their bodies resurrected. Uh, because that's what's prophesied in First Corinthians fifteen thirty-five through forty-five. So cremation is not uh, sinful. It's just you know just getting cremated. So it's not a big deal. God certainly has the capability of reassembling all your atoms to create your body, recreate it. Okay. Okay. Then uh, one more is forgive our debtors. Uh, forgive our debts. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That, that isn't financial, is it? The word there, debt, in Matthew six twelve is ophilema, and it means legal debt. The parallel account of this uh, verse is, or this thing of, you know, our Father who art in heaven, is found in Luke 11, starting at verse 2. And it's another version of the Lord's Prayer. And it says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So what Jesus is saying there is to forgive everyone who's indebted to us. He says, forgive us our sins, which is the word hermartia in the Greek, and then forgive us uh, uh, those who are indebted to us. That's ophilema. Sin is breaking the law of God. So there's a legal aspect to sin as being a legal debt because it's breaking the law of God which is why Colossians 2.14 says that Jesus canceled out the certificate of debt so Jesus equates sin with legal debt so when he's talking about this in Matthew 6.12 forgive us our debts what he's talking about is metaphorically our sins against God 
as we forgive those, uh, forget our debtors or those who have sinned against us and are in our debt in the sense of, of, of having broken God's law. Okay? Okay, it's okay to pray that then. Of course it is. Right there. Okay. And so, now notice that Jesus didn't say, pray these words. He said, pray in this way. You know, our oh, Father who's oh, in heaven. Yeah, you can say the words, that's fine. But the concept here is pray this way. Their Father who's in heaven, how holy is your name? In other words, you're talking and you're talking about how great the Father is and how holy he is, and that you're praying for his kingdom to to arrive here on earth to and his will to be done and to give us provisions, that's to give us our daily bread, and to uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive others and to uh, deliver us from temptation because it says do not lead us to temptation but deliver us from evil it's a contrast and he says for yours is the kingdom and power if for and then he goes on if you forgive others their transgressions your father in heaven will also forgive you and so he's talking about this issue of forgiveness in that lord's prayer and how we're to do that so it's a way of praying and yes you can say the very words as long as they're not repetitious we don't want vain repetition where we just say something like the Catholics do. Say the Our Father, Our Father, Our Name, and they just say it over and over and over. It's vain repetition. So he didn't yeah, say to do yeah. that. He, he said to he pray this way. So the idea is the intention of the heart in, in our prayers. Okay? And you can say those words. Just mean them. That's all. Okay? Okay. Thank you very much. All right. God, God bless, bless you. You too. God bless. All right, four open lines. If you want to give me a call, eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Let's get on the phone with Zach from Ohio. Hey, Zach, welcome. You're on the air. Good evening, Matt. You're very popular in Ohio this evening. I guess so. Uh, that's great. I'd love to get out there. I don't know if I've ever even been to Ohio, but uh, I'd love to get out there. Well, you're so, not uh, missing much. <laughs> Well, you know, it's like saying, hey, I'm from Idaho. You're not missing much. So, you know. Exactly. <laughs> That's all right, though. I'd love to be out there doing some teaching and preaching in some churches. It'd be great to, to visit Idaho. All right, man. So what do you got, buddy? Uh, so my question is your take on a divorced man becoming um, either a pastor or an elder in the church. Uh, I don't have my Bible in front of me. But the the man of one woman phraseology, I think it's First Timothy three, and also right. somewhere in Titus. Um, so I wanted your biblical take on that and what your thoughts were. Divorce is biblical and allowed under certain circumstances. If the wife or the husband were to commit adultery, then the offended party is free to be able to divorce, not obligated, but free to. If the person wants to work on restoring the marriage, that's that's between him or her and the Lord and, and a spouse. If the person says, that's it, we're done, you broke the covenant, and then he, can get, he or she can get divorced at that point. The other condition for divorce is abandonment. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 7 talks about this. And so if people, if the uh, unbelieving spouse were to abandon the, uh, the, the believing spouse, just that's, that's also breaking the covenant. And so in those areas, uh, from what I see, uh, the Bible says that such a person is free. And so I would not penalize, in my opinion, I would not penalize, in this case, a man who is divorced if 
in the, during the Christian context, he divorced his wife because of her unrepentant idol, um, adultery and or if she abandoned him. He's not responsible. He did no wrong. And if he sought for reconciliation and she demanded that he's free, and I would say he could be a pastor and an elder. Um, now there's the issue of, well, what happens if he unbiblically divorced his wife before he became a Christian? And this gets a little bit more uh, difficult to, to wade through. Because what if he just, he's the one who committed adultery and his wife uh, divorced him for that? This is before he's a, a, a Christian. And then he becomes a Christian and he confesses all his sins. My personal policy is that such a man must be strictly examined and he must absolutely understand that what he did was unbiblical and ungodly but that it was taken care of in the cross and he's a new man a new creation and so in my opinion I would allow such a man uh, to um, to be a pastor or an elder uh, because he did it in the throes of his unbelief which has then been removed and cleansed and he's a new creation in Christ and he moves forward so that's just my opinion I know other people disagree with me but that's my opinion okay well thank you for that the second scenario was uh, precisely why I was calling it I think the first scenario is uh, much more dry uh, so thank you for walking through that yeah it's a difficult um, it's a difficult situation and I do have first-hand knowledge of um, during seminary at Westminster Theological Seminary in Escondido, California, where I graduated from. Uh, first-hand knowledge of a situation where uh, a, a man divorced someone, and but he wasn't walking with the Lord. And they said, that's okay. It's under the blood, and it's passed. And so there you go. All right? So there you go, brother. Thank you very much, All right. Matt. All right. God bless. All right. Okay, God bless. I know it's a bit controversial, but that's just my opinion. And if you disagree, okay. But hey, if you want to give me a call, five open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the show. Last segment of the hour. If you want to give me a call. Okay, the heads up connection seems to be having issues. We're uh, just still connected, but having uh, when I, or distorted when I speak. Uh, so that's interesting. I just saw that. Thanks a lot for letting me know, Keith. And uh, I'm not sure what to tell you. If I'd have seen that before the break, I'd have disconnected and reconnected. But uh, we're on uh, this way it is. I hope the people in the chat room can hear me okay. And if you can't hear me very well over the radio, why don't you give me a call anyway? 877-207-2276. Last four digits. Spell C-A-R-M on your phone. All right. So we have nobody waiting right now. Maybe that's why we're having a bit of a problem with the callers and a slow day, which happens sometimes. No big deal. But, hey, I was discussing the issue of the atoning sacrifice of Christ. Let me just tell you. Let me just summarize everything. Folks, Jesus did everything that was necessary. He did it all. We don't have to complete his saving work by getting baptized or by taking communion or confessing to a priest or not doing something bad or 
were doing something good. Jesus did everything on the cross, and we believe and trust in what he did there. That is what makes us right before God. We are not capable of offering anything to God. We're not capable of doing any good. Even our hearts are not good enough, even in the best moments of our sincerity. God grants that we have faith in Christ, John, uh, excuse me, Philippians 1.29 and John 6.29. And so, what we do is trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we do. And it's as simple as that. If there's any church, any preacher, any teacher that says to you that you have to believe in Jesus to be saved and do whatever it is, they're preaching a false gospel. The Roman Catholic Church says you obtain salvation through faith, baptism, and the observance of the commandments. That is a false gospel. Eastern Orthodoxy says that you have to enjoy and participate in the energies of God, which help you do the good things according to the faith that you have, so that at the end of your life, hopefully, you'll be justified before God. That's also a false gospel. The Mormons teach you're saved by grace through faith after all you can do. Second Nephi 25, 23. That's also a false gospel. Islam teaches that you have to do good works and perhaps the, the scale of good will outwear the way the bad and therefore inshallah if Allah wills then he'll save you that's a false gospel the true gospel is found in Jesus by faith alone in him alone to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly his faith is credited as righteousness Romans 4 5 Monique from Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome. You're on the air. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> My most important one, I had a couple of times, but it's about witchcraft. So, obviously, that could be, you know, you spoke about you having had come out of the cult, praise God, and yes. things. I haven't done that, but, you know, I've, I don't know. I've never been one of these people that think, oh, there's a curse, a curse there. But my question would be, biblically, is, is there a biblical pattern um, for, quote, breaking that off, or is it that it can't really touch you uh, if you're already in Christ? Well... If someone were to curse you. Like okay, uh, let's, let's talk about this, uh, because we want to make sure that we understand, that, you know, when you say can't touch you, uh, that's a, a, a broad thing to, to no, talk no, about. Okay, that you wouldn't be cursed, like, if, okay, look, you're cursed, not that it could be in demonic forces to try to, you know, do this, this, or this, but like a curse written on you. Could, I guess the better way to ask it is it could be inscribed on you, and in that case, wouldn't God be greater anyway to break it? Okay, so let's talk about the issue of cursing, okay? Mm -hmm. There are demonic forces out there, there are witches, there are uh, people in false religions, and they can pray to their false gods to harm you. And so they will be uh, using demonic forces, not even knowingly, in order to harm others. That would be a form of a curse. There are, uh, in a sense, there are punishments that are passed down from generation to generation. And this is spoken of by God himself in Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. Yes. Judge, okay. Now, yes. so what do we do as Christians? Let's say we have family members or somebody who hates our guts, like, that's me. People hate my guts. And uh, I know that people are praying against me. 
and I know that Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and Muslims are praying against me, Catholics are praying, Eastern Orthodox are praying against what I do to, to their false gods and false gospels and false whatever. And so I don't worry about it because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me and greater is he that's in me than he who's in the world. I pray for protection. I pray that God would anoint. I pray that God would guide and that through all circumstances he would be glorified. And so the Lord is our savior. The Lord is our king. He is our guardian. Christians need to rely and rest on his lordship and his ability to take care of us. Now, that doesn't mean, however, that there won't be people out there who are praying to their false gods and or desiring harm to you and hatred to you and are invoking their forces and what they think is good in order to uh, injure you spiritually or physically or financially or whatever it might be or health-wise. What you do, if you suspect this is happening, is you pray and you ask God to bind the evil one from yourself, your family members, etc., whoever it might be. You ask it in the name of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you talk to the Lord. You never pray to demonic forces and say, you know, to no. the devil, I rebuke you. You don't ever do that. That's praying to the devil. Pray to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask Jesus to minister. Ask Jesus to send his angelic forces, whatever it is. And you pray and you trust in him, and you choose to trust him by faith. And you have to understand that sometimes God allows certain things to reach us, to perfect us, to polish us, to rub off the rough corners. So you pray that God would protect you, but if you were to allow an assault of some sort to come, that he would give you the grace to be able to survive it, to do it through it well, and to praise his name through it, should he allow that, which he very well may. So I'm not trying to instill fear. I want you to understand that nothing occurs unless God permits it, and that if you suspect demonic forces, pray against them to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to deal with it and move forward from there, okay? And I'm glad you mentioned that second half, because that was actually part of the um, what what you can do at that point. I, in my early, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. My thought was, well, Lord, you, you see what's going on, fix it, and that would all, you know, that would be it. I would just assume it. But I do understand about praying. The other thing was, if it is generational, but the person who it fell upon is faithful, is it the same, basically the same thing as you just said when you, you know, someone has released some kind of jealousy or hatred witchcraft against you uh, or are you just kind of paying for it <laughs> you pray for them and then you trust God so I have a great confidence in my Lord and when someone curses me which I've had okay that's right and I've had people say I'm going to pray for your death and I tell them you better be careful what you ask for because I'm guarded by my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who's greater than your demonic uh, wishes. And you better be careful, lest he turn it back upon you. And I've talked to people like this, and I'm still here, and people haven't been bothering me. And so, well, they come up every now and then, and we I pray imprecati uh, imprecations against them after a while. I pray for their deliverance, but also pray for their imprecation, or that God would deal with them according to their sin. So I have the confidence in, in the Lord's sovereignty and greatness. I want people to get saved, but if they're not going to be saved and they're going to try and do harm to me, my family, this ministry, whatever it is, then I'm going to lift them up in prayer and ask God to deal with them. 
We have to have that confidence that this is part of our spiritual battle. When people do the same thing against you from their demonic sources, out of Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science, Unity Baha'i, Islam, Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, whatever it might be, then you can have that right to pray to the Lord Jesus and to bind that in the name of Christ. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would bind this in, in your precious name, Jesus. I trust in you. I choose to trust in you. And this will help break what's going on. If you, however, have manifestations in your house, then what I would ask is that you anoint the house. And if you're married, you have your husband, who's the federal head, have him go through and anoint the house. And you do this with him. And you it's pray just through me. The that, that's what okay. makes this battle all the harder. It's really just me. But, well, that helps then, a bit. Um, yeah. Then you do it. You, just, you know, no, you're a I've woman. Done it. You're a woman, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong well, with that. Well, okay. There's nothing in my house. I won't. I won't. Okay. I'm not talking about the house, but the okay. whole thing about whether it's generational and all that. So, but that that helps, I guess, as much as I'm going to be helped right. with it, as far as the time frame, I guess, nobody can say. But um, okay. All right. Well, glad glad you called. All right. Well, God bless. Thanks a lot, Monique. Okay. All right. Let's get to herb. No herb. <laughs> Herb. Herb. I get that every time I call you. Yeah, I know. Every, I've been picked on about that all my life. I'm, <laughs> Matt, I got a quick two, two okay. quick questions. How, is there a website, uh, an address on your website that I could mail you a donation? Yeah, uh, you just go to the CARM. Uh, that would be rare. It's appreciated too. Thank you. Uh, yes, we sir. Do, do definitely need it. But at the bottom of any page, is the P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1353, oh. Nampa, Idaho, 83653. And also, okay, I think, uh, you know what did I ask? Oh, and on the left-hand side, it says contact. And so I'm, I'm looking mm -hmm. to contact us. I'm just seeing it because I don't check out my own website very often sometimes in certain areas. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, it's, and it's there. That's for an email kind of a contact. Act. But we do have uh, yeah, a okay. mailing address. There it is. Yeah, it's it's there. Yeah, it's all there. Okay, great. Well, I know you're short for time, so I'll try to ask you a question sure. in as brief a way as I know to ask. When they say a new heaven and a new earth, does this mean that this actual planet we're living on now will be will be non-existent from the you know, when the Lord destroys it, or is God going to take this existing planet and reform? What you know, reform it and get it back to the days of Adam and Eve. That's you know, what clean gonna everything do. up. Yep, that's okay. going to do. And, and, it, and it will mm -hmm. be the same planet we're on now. Then, yes, just like okay. in First Corinthians fifteen thirty-five through forty-five, our bodies are going to be resurrected and let's just say fixed. And boy, do we need fixing physically. Amen. That's right, <laughs> and. uh so we'll have a, a, a big fixed day. And so God's going to give us a new glorified body, just the way the earth will have a, it'll be, in a sense, glorified in the sense that it's going to be redeemed. It's going to be remade, but it's going to be the same earth, just the way our bodies are remade, remade, but it's the same body. Same kind of a thing. Yeah. Do you think we'll be similar to how Jesus was when he rose from the dead and they saw him, but, you know, they, they take it out, go through doors and everything? You know what I'm saying? Well, he was like a spirit, or is that that's not true? That's not true. He was not, not just a spirit. He was physically raised. i got to speak quickly because we're almost yeah. at... Oh, got, okay, we're out of time here. But 
he was he didn't go okay. through walls he just appeared and he was in his physical body and that's what we're going to probably be like be able to move according to our will and desire just as he did uh, i'm looking forward to okay. that okay all right all right okay. well matt thank you so much and god bless you and your family now we'll send you a donation very soon i really appreciate your ministry hey well thank you we do appreciate your support and uh calling so god bless her all right sure. hey folks thank you so okay. much all right hey folks we're out of time may the lord bless you by his grace we'll be back on here tomorrow and we'll talk to you then have a great evening another program powered by the truth network